Hello and welcome to a Thursday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Stanzial. Chris, I got a meeting to hit right after we record, so this one will be a little shorter than usual. We're going to have a very condensed mailbag, so that's why we did not send out a tweet asking for questions. But there's a lot we want to touch upon, especially with that big win on Tuesday night against the Butler Bulldogs, a top 15 matchup. Huge win for the Cats, Cats over Dogs. But before we head into that, Chris, I want to get your take on something. This is something that I don't know how this flew under our radar, and it seemed to fly under the radar over at View Hoops because we did not put this on our Instagram until yesterday. But when I did some research into figuring out how this was put together, I realized that this had been out for about a week. And what we got here is NCAA.com. They put together a best Villanova players of the decade package. And I'm not sure if you saw this. I did not get to see this until last night. I was, you know me, I'm not really big on Instagram, but I decided to hop on and I saw view hoops' page. And this was something that they just put up yesterday. And I want to talk about it, Chris. I want to talk about it. Have you seen this list yet? No, but I'm sure it's going to rile me up. Okay, great. So uh, would you rather me start from number one or number 11? They did the best 11. Should I start let's from go. the bottom and build yeah, up? Yeah, bottom up. Okay, great. Bottom up. All right. Number 11, Jermaine Samuels. Oh, okay. All right. No, I'm just, yeah. I'm just kidding. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, actually was, start with I Jermaine Samuels. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say anything but until we read the full list, but okay. Um, no, we, yeah, we, we, no, yeah, no offense <laughs> to Jermaine Samuels. He's, he has had some all-decade type shots um, in these recent games, but it does not start with him. It actually starts with Eric Pascal at number 11. Number okay. 10 is Omari Spellman. Number 9 is Chris Jenkins. Number 8 is Big Ragu, Dante DiVincenzo. Number 7 is Phil Booth. Number 6, Bethlehem Steele, Darren Hilliard. Number 5 is Ryan Archie Diacono. Number four, Scotty Reynolds. Number three, Mikael Bridges. Number two, Josh Hart. And Chris, who do you think number one is? Jalen Brunson. Bisla Brojoya. Yeah, very close. Uh, uh, no, call. it is Jalen Brunson. It yes, is Jalen yes. Brunson. Okay. All right. So, All right. yeah, they listed. I don't know why they chose 11. A uh, very odd number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there is definitely a lot of ways you can approach this. Uh, how do you feel about this list and the way it was ordered and structured? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think it's that bad. I, I, I mean, you could probably nitpick, you know, in terms of actual ranking, like who should be three, four, five, six, seven, and whatever. But I guess in terms of top 11 players, it, I think it's okay. Some notable stub, snubs are uh, JVP, Chef, James Bell, and I think all three are very deserving. I just don't know who you kick out. I would advocate for Dante, but we all know my hatred for him but he was obviously very good and i only say that jokingly but i i really don't i really don't know who you kick out to fit one of those guys in uh, what do you what do you have to say so uh, i would have actually put ryan archie diacono over scotty reynolds i feel like the national championship and the 2016 ncaa tournament run and performance and not only you know to ha- play well but also be named the Final Four Most Outstanding Player and also be a big part of that 2016 National Championship. I would have actually put him ahead of Scotty. Ever since Brunson and Archie Diakonos rise and as they kind of finished out their career on the main line, it became such a hot topic of, like, how would you rank those three point guards? And so I wanted to look at how they decided 
these rankings, and they said that they base it on raw talent, legacy, and accomplishments. So, you know, raw talent, yeah. maybe I would say you could put Scotty over Arch, but mm-hmm. everything else, I think Arch has Scotty beat. So I would have actually put him in that top four slot, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of the decade. Yeah, I guess you could. if Yeah, if they're factoring in legacy, Arch is probably number one in that regard, and probably with him and Brunson probably tied for one. As a whole, I mean, like you said, like you probably put Arch over Scotty. I don't, to be honest with you, I, that doesn't really affect me whatsoever. I, I, I kind of look, if we're talking about the list itself, I'm just looking at it as a whole, as the top 11. I don't care if whoever's ranked three or 11, it doesn't really matter to me. Obviously, if they had put like Dante as number one, like I would maybe have something to say about that. But I think they did a, a fine job otherwise. So it is hard. Like you said, there are some guys like that I could easily, if this was top 15, they're definitely on. Honestly, I would have actually put out Chef over Spellman. Like, if I had to remove a guy, I would put yeah. Chef over Spellman. Not that Omar Spellman wasn't good. You know, he, he obviously yeah. had a great freshman, redshirt freshman year. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you consider, if we're talking overall careers, like the second half of that redshirt freshman year was definitely very good. The first half was a little inconsistent as he kind of got used to things and found his footing. Chef, what he brought, you know, just being that tough enforcer, that tough guy in the post both ways, excellent rebounder, solid defensive player. And then the offense kind of improved leaps and bounds with each passing year. I would have put him ahead. Oh, and my other gripe too. Well, I shouldn't call it a gripe, but this is semi-nitpicky. Does Scotty Reynolds deserve to be on this list, or was most of his exploits in the previous decade? Yeah, you know, I was going to mention that, but I was like, all right. Yeah, like, what is it, like one year in the 2010s? This was 2000 to 2009. You could probably argue that he's probably, you know, number one or number two. Right. But in terms of the 2010s, I don't don't necessarily know if I'd put him on. It also depends how you want to look at it. Yeah, he only only played half a year in – the last decade he only played in the second half of the 09-10 season in the decade so yeah that that was a little weird I guess but he was that good (laughs) so I perfectly okay with him being there but yeah with your regards to your Spellman versus Chef point I mean obviously we're very sympathetic to the class of 2016 cause (laughs) because that's who we are I think yeah Uh, I think everybody is like depending on you know which players you went to school with you definitely have a softer spot for them than than the others for sure. I, and I kind of agree with you, though. Like, if they are factoring in legacy and all those other things outside of raw talent, Chef deserves to be there. He personified the Villanova way, I guess. And he was there for four years. He improved significantly each year. So why not put him on there? I, but I don't know if you can kick off Amari, but I guess he would be the odd man to go because I, I wouldn't kick out Eastman. It would probably be him or Dante, honestly. That's it. I would slide Eric up one over Omari. If we're looking at just the top 11, like I think the group is is fine. Like I don't have too much of an issue about it. And based on what I was looking at in the responses and the replies to the View Hoops post, you know, a lot of people were like listing their names, but no one was listing who you would sub out for. You can't just toss five names and then be like, yeah, they should be on there. And I'm looking at it here. I'm already having a hard time replacing one of the guys or two of the guys, let alone, you know, I couldn't imagine having to switch three or four if I, if I would try. Yeah, no, no, I know. You can't just throw a bunch of guys on there unless you want to expand the list to top 15. But then at that point, there's really no exclusive, uh, exclusiveness to the whole thing. But I, I, I'm assuming people would probably 
uh, the three we, I mentioned, JVP, Bell, and Chef, who else would you kind of throw there in a snuff category? Would you throw Malik Waynes there or no? Henry Love. Yeah, honestly. Peyton Heck. <laughs> Pat Farrell. Pat Farrell. Kevin Rafferty. OG Bench Mob. Denny Grace. I'm trying to think of some other ones. I don't even remember the other ones. Was Russell Wooten still, was, still around or was no, he 09? Was he 09? I thought he was 05. Oh, wait, no, wait. Was he 09? I think he was. No, he was on that yes, final four. Was, yeah, he was. He was, he was, on the, was yes. But he was, was he in this decade? Was he in this decade? I don't think so. Condon was 05, 06, the 05, 06 guy. But, yeah, that uh, I don't think he made the 09, 10 team. What about Mislav? Does Mislav make the, the players of the decade? <laughs> you, you said he was number one, so I think in your book he does. <laughs> one last thing before we move on. I just want to say, did you see that the Empire Classic, our next November early season tournament, it's going to be at Madison Square Garden, but did you see the, the field of teams that are going to be there? I saw Baylor. There was another good team in there, and then there was a not-so-good team in there. Okay, so it was us, Baylor, Michigan, and NC State. Literally all of the ghosts from Christmas <laughs> past. <laughs> All the ghosts. I mean, yeah, you know, I know we killed Michigan in 2018, but after that, they had our number, and then you have Baylor, who recently beat us, and mm-hmm. then NC State, they don't need an introduction. We don't no. We don't need to introduce them. We know their deal. Oh, God. Yeah, that maybe playing Baylor in Michigan would probably be better for the non-con schedule portion, but I think for fan base's uh, psyche, I think playing NC State might be the way to go. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We, need, we just need to kind of – Get a win over them. How is that tournament working? Is it round robin or is it? No, it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be bracketed. Okay, so we won't see each team, is what you're saying. Correct. Okay. You already know. First round, they're gonna put us against NC State. Oh, a hundred percent. So like Michigan, I feel like Michigan is probably gonna be the other headliner. So they're probably gonna try to get like a Nova Michigan matchup in the finals. So if they're smart they would put NC State, just just so we can talk that up. All right. Yeah, that's definitely a good uh, storyline there. But I was going to say, maybe they go with Nova and Michigan just to ensure the two headliners going up against each other. Like, have, like, Baylor-NC State as, like, the undercard match and then have Nova-Michigan again as the headliner. Could go that way. Route. We could, but they're probably not going to. No, then no, it's, it's the only way to screw it up somehow. I think with a four-team field, the, the possibility of an error or something going wrong to prevent this Nova-Michigan matchup is pretty low. Mm-hmm. But I thought that this year with the 2K Classic, and then you had Georgetown upset Texas to play Duke. So we don't know. We don't know we what's going to happen. Yeah, never know. But I'm pretty excited for that tournament field. It looks pretty good. Yes. Anyways, let's, let's get to yeah, let's get to the real meat here. Present, yeah. Yeah, let's get to the let's get to the real meat of the show here, and that's we want to talk about this big win against Butler on Tuesday because I thought it, I know you thought it, but that was probably one of the more complete performances from this team in terms of offensive, defensive, not many mistakes, solid rebounding, the shooting was pretty solid too, and just the defensive effort against Butler I thought was great. Yeah, sure, it probably helped that you know what was it like two or three different Bulldogs got hurt at various points of the game. And that probably threw, threw them off the rhythm. But solid first half, solid finish 
to make it a double-digit 76-61 victory over the visiting Butler Bulldogs in a battle of top 15 teams. We said it last time we're going to need multiple guys to step up, and we got exactly that with five different Wildcats in double figures. With Jermaine Samuels, Chris, your guy, big game Jermaine. He had a huge one, leading the way with 20 points, seven boards. Jeremiah Robinson Earl had another big boy performance down low, dialing up a double-double with 12 points, 14 boards. Sadiq Bay and Colin Gillespie had 14 points apiece, with Bay adding six boards and three assists. And then Gillespie almost doing the reverse with three boards and seven assists. And then you had Justin Moore looking like he was starting to find a shot a little bit off the bench, putting in an improved 14-point performance. Looked like he was starting to shake off that shooting slump. And then on the Butler side, slow first half for Kamar Baldwin, their leading man, but he turned it up in the second half to finish with 21 points. And then after Baldwin, you have the two Bryces, Enzi and Golden, adding 11 points each with Enzi also putting in 12 boards and five assists. Chris, let's talk about this win, man. Solid Mm -hmm. one for the Cats. I will say there was a moment there where it got a little scary and Butler was able to trim it to four. But that was as close as they got because after that, Nova just turned the Jets on and went on this beautiful run and really, really sucked the momentum, sucked the life, and sucked the confidence out of these Bulldogs who would now drop 3-3 and in the Big East while Villanova improves to 5-1 and in conference play. Yeah, another ranked team comes to the Pavilion. Big East ranked team, I should say. Comes to the Pavilion and gets absolutely throttled by Villanova. Uh, I texted you after the game, and you mentioned it earlier that this was probably the most complete game that they've played all year. And say what you will about the shooting percentage and say what you will about the defense, I thought this was a complete game start to finish. At no point did I ever feel that Butler was ever going to come back and potentially get back and potentially take over this game. I know they cut the lead to four with a little late in the game, but I was like, all right, this is fine. They're perfectly okay. The way this defense is playing and the way Butler's offense is operating, there's no way they they complete this comeback. So I, I have to say a, a damn good performance, top to bottom by pretty much everybody. I should also mention that the 15-point victory by Villanova on Tuesday night is their largest margin of victory since the Middle Tennessee State game. So I, I found that to be pretty wild. I thought they would have beat at least one team in there by a larger margin, but who would have thought that number 13 Butler would be the one where they actually differentiate themselves on the scoreboard. So going into like some of the individual performances for Villanova, I know you rattled off the point totals. I feel a little bit a little bit of that is a bit deceiving. I'm not taking away anything from their performances, but Jermaine Samuels, and I did call him that a great game. I, I felt like him and Bay struggled a little bit inside. I felt like there was a bunch of times they drove inside and were just met by a stone wall on Butler's uh, back end there, and a real good job by Butler on that. And it forced Samuels and Bay to take a lot of uncomfortable shots. And if you look at their stat lines, 5 of 13 from the field from Samuels and 4 of 14 from Bay, um, you can see that. But Samuels made his living off the free throw line, 9 of 10 from the free throw stripe with the 1 of 3 from beyond the arc. And then Sadiq Bay, yeah, you know, he didn't hit anything inside, but he went 4 of 6 from deep. And we talked about how good that Butler three-point defense was. And, yeah, they held Nova to 36%, but I felt like Nova was able to free up a lot of shots. And some of them they just weren't hitting, mainly because Butler was contesting. But the ones they did hit, they were able to free up. And Lapis was ma- mentioning it on the broadcast all all night that they would run these screens and they would go 
And the way Butler would play them, they just didn't, had no idea how to play them. They would keep going underneath the screen, not over it. And then as a result, a lot of players were able to free themselves up. As you mentioned, JRE was an absolute beast inside offensively and defensively. Collin wasn't able to get anything going really, but he hit a couple of clutch shots at the end of the first half there to kind of get himself going. And then Justin Moore, I was really impressed with how he played. He's been quiet for the past few weeks and to show up with a 14-point performance and shooting well from the field, I was really, really impressed. And then defensively, they held Butler to 61 points, and I believe three of those came in like the last on the last shot, so they could have held him under 60. And I know Butler's not the most offensively gifted team, but the fact that they held him to 61 was pretty impressive. And just one more point. I know Kamara Baldwin put up 21, and that's because he's really good at basketball. But the fact that they held him to basically a useless performance in the first half, and even in the second half, they had him so tightly guarded that a lot of his shots were just a bunch of fadeaways from the basket. And I'll take that every day. So real good job by the defense. Yeah, I thought Villanova looked very prepared, particularly with the way that they defended the Butler Bulldogs. Kamar Baldwin was just out of his element all throughout that first half. Second half, he was hitting the tough ones. But once Villanova was able to expand its lead, and you, you knew they were going on that big run, which obviously, you know, runs and momentum and all that are so huge in college basketball. But Butler, obviously, they're not built for volume scoring, comebacks, and things like that. Very slow-paced team. Once Nova started pushing it into double figures, and then they started kind of forcing up shots, taking dumb ones, and it also helped that Sean McDermott couldn't hit anything at all. One of 11 overall on the field. 0 for 7 from deep, and he's been one of their top shooters all throughout the season. Once a guy like that was going cold, Baldwin was unable to shoulder the team, put the team on his back, and kind of carry them. You knew that Villanova was going to be able to run away with this, and they finished strong, hitting each of their last four shots. I do want to give props to Colin Gillespie, another solid second-half performance. He was ice cold to start the game, and I think there's no denying that. And like you said, you know, it wasn't until late in the first half that he was able to hit a couple shots to get himself going and also to help give Villanova a 10-point lead at the break. But in the second half, he scored 11 of his 14 points in over the final 20 minutes, shot 3 of 5 from the floor. And even when he wasn't scoring, he was doing a great job of dishing. Seven assists to only one turnover, that's a great ratio, great efficiency with the ball. And overall, with the team, Nova didn't really make too many mistakes. They didn't really give the ball away too much. Only six turnovers for the whole entire game, which is awesome. They killed them on the boards, which is great, out-rebounding them 43-37. to 37. 11 offensive rebounds. A huge part of that was Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And it just looked like Butler couldn't get themselves going, whether it be injuries, whether it be Nova just outplayed them in each and every way. I just loved the effort that I saw on Tuesday night. Excellent win. This is the kind of things that we need to see. And it really looks like Nova's really starting to – solidify itself here and emerge and rise up and rise above from some of those ugly shaky performances where they're getting into close ones with Delaware or letting St. Joe's back into it because some guy goes off like it's looking overall like a great product on the court Justin Moore coming off the bench and adding 14 points has been great because obviously the bench production hasn't been too hot in the last couple of games especially when he's going to be the only guy coming off the bench that's going to be looked to to score so when he's able to dish out some points, put some up on the board. That always, always helps. Great defensive effort. Even with Baldwin getting his in the second half, it really didn't feel like that at all. It really didn't. I was surprised when I looked at the box score at the end of the game. I was pretty shocked to see that Butler shot a better team shooting percentage, that Baldwin had 21, 
that he shot as well as he did in the second half. I think it was like he was not at 21 for the whole game, which isn't that great, but he was 7 of 12 in the second half, which is very solid, but it did not feel like that at all. No, and I felt – yeah, I think because a lot of those baskets came and like – it wasn't garbage time, but they just were like empty baskets. It didn't feel like any of those really helped them get back into the game there. But, yeah, the eye test says that this team played a complete game, and as you mentioned, the box score kind of suggests otherwise. But I, I was really happy with it start to finish. I was impressed with the fact that they were able to go off in the first half and get out to a big lead and were kind of able to put Butler away until they made that little bit of a comeback to cut it to four. But then right when they did, they were able to pull away and went, end up winning by 15. And I think there was a huge sequence in there in that second half where – I believe Butler was – It was they were within striking distance. They go down, and McDermott's wide open in the corner. Pops a three and bricks it. Then Villanova goes down the other way. Then I believe it was Justin Moore was able to sink a three. And I think that was pretty much the end of Butler for, from there on out. So, obviously, if McDermott hits that, it's probably a whole different game. But the fact that he went cold and then Baldwin was pretty much ineffective for the first half, it was just too much for Butler to overcome, I would say. And, yeah, NZ and Golden got theirs inside, too. I must say they, they had a very good game inside. But it's just not enough to carry a, a team like that. And also, Jordan Tucker really didn't do much of it, anything uh, either. He had a lot of open shots, too, and he was just not hitting them. So I, maybe Butler just had an off game, and maybe they get their revenge at ankle because – I severely doubt Sean McDermott's going to go one of 11 from the field again. And I highly doubt that Kamar Baldwin's a completely ineffective player for a whole entire half. But enjoy this win, and hopefully they can build upon it and be like, oh, if we can do this against number 13 Butler and we could put away number 13 Butler, we should be putting away teams like DePaul and Providence that's coming up on Saturday. Yeah, totally. And I don't want to talk about that Hinkle Fieldhouse matchup too much yet. And, you know, that was definitely one of the things that I was telling myself while watching the game that if this was in Indianapolis, we could be we could be looking at something completely different. Like Sean McDermott's gonna go like five of five to start. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not gonna be one of those games where both teams aren't really hitting anything for the first five minutes. Like what was it after like five or the second media timeout? Ten to four or something stupid like that. Oh, it's very very low score. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm expecting a completely different game once we go there. But for now, you can just enjoy this win. For Villanova to extend its winning streak, for a young team to get a top 15 matchup at home in front of the home crowd, that's always great. Gotta love it. Adding to the resume. Adding to the resume. Always a big plus. And it's nice that, you know, with this homestand, four straight games before they head back out on the road for the weekend and then a little bit next week, that they all came out with wins. Yeah, the DePaul one was a little too close for comfort, but all wins. All wins. I couldn't believe, too, when you said that this was the largest margin of victory, I, I had to pull up the schedule while you were talking, and I was like, oh, my God, this really this really is the largest margin of victory. We've been taking this for granted these last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've been complaining about it all year that they aren't winning by a lot because I just feel like they haven't been able to put teams away. But this game, they, they did a little bit of a – throwback game I guess you could say yeah there haven't been too many double digit victories there was the Georgetown one and that was 14 but that was probably the closest one since that beat down against Middle Tennessee State Mm -hmm. your point about those four wins at home it's absolutely huge because this was a pretty favorable start to the Big East schedule for Villanova I would say you only had two road games at Marquette and at Creighton and you had five at home and you won all five at home so you got to take care of business where you're supposed to take care of business and they did 
Now you're at Providence, at St. John's. You got Butler coming up soon. And then you go on the road for three games after that in the middle of February with a couple of home games sprinkled in. So they're going to be on the road a lot. And as we were saying, it's going to be really hard to win on the road this year. So you better take care of business at home. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah, and this next one for the Cats, you want to talk about how it's hard to win on the road. We know Jay Wright knows. We know the fan base knows. Dunkin' Donuts Center, never an easy place to play in. No matter how mediocre, no matter how good, no matter how bad, no matter how awesome Providence is, for some reason, that place is just, it's the thorn on Jay's side. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I know Jay is, I think he's hovering around 500 or so, or slightly below 500 in terms of his win percentages record at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. And this Providence team, it's been a little strange to kind of pinpoint how they are. They had a rough go in non-con play. They lost to Penn, Long Beach State, Charleston. They got blown out by Florida by 32 over at the Barclays Center. Not ideal, especially to lose to those first three teams that I just mentioned. And to do that in consecutive games, not hot. But they turned themselves around in Big East play. I know they took a little hitch last night as they lost to the Scene Hall Pirates on the road. But overall, outside of that, they've been doing pretty well for themselves compared to how they started. They're now 11-9 overall, which isn't a crazy record, but they are above 500 in Big East play. They are now 4-3 and three after last night's loss, and they're going to be hosting the Wildcats. Now, Chris, this matchup is never easy, or at least when it's at the dunk. I'm not going to take this Providence team for granted. We've seen them knock down teams in surprising fashion, like how they beat Marquette on the road in overtime. Did not expect that. They obliterated Texas 70-48 to just before starting Big East play. What can we expect from this Providence team? Who should we look out for? I got a couple of names off the top of my head, and honestly, I'm surprised that they haven't graduated yet. Damn, you took my joke away all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it all starts with uh, Alpha Diallo, who I swear to God has been there since our junior year of college, sophomore year of college even. Yeah, he, he's been there a while. He's averaging 14 points a game, about a little over eight boards a game as well. Not exactly the best three-point shooter. It doesn't take a whole bunch, but he's not exactly the best. But uh, from the field, he's shooting about 40%. David Duke, he was a big-time freshman last year, a big-time freshman recruit last year. Didn't really do so hot, but he's kind of come on this year, averaging 13 points a game, doing about 50% from beyond the arc. That's really good. Takes the same amount of threes as Diallo, but uh, he's still a pretty good three-point shooter. Their big guy inside is Nate Watson, and I think I remember him giving Villanova problems last year in the Big East tournament. He's averaging under 10 points a game, a little under uh, five boards a game as well, and shoot 50% from the field. And also want to highlight Malik White, who's been hanging around for a while. I think he kind of was the GOAT. I forget when that game was. It was either last year or a few years ago when he – just dribbled out the clock like inexplicitly and just I guess he just kind of forgot about the the time and it kind of caused Providence to lose but he's another big time guard for Providence he's averaging about eight and a half points per game another guy I want to highlight is AJ Reeves he was kind of a big time freshman recruit for Providence as well last year I believe he was hurt for a little bit but he did play last night against Seton Hall he's averaging about six and a half points for the Friars so I know you mentioned a little earlier that going to the dunk is always a problem. And yeah, it is. It, a lot of those games are highly contested. But contrary to popular belief, Villanova has actually won a good chunk of them in recent years. Since we entered college, Eugene, and during the 12-13 season, Villanova has lost there only twice. 
and that was our freshman year of college. And the 17-18 team of all teams was the only other team to lose there. So Villanova's had a pretty good track record there. Now, granted, a lot of those games were close, as I said, but it, it, they have proved to be victorious for Villanova. So not as scary as it used to be, but still a scary, tough game. And with Providence playing third-ranked team in three games, so they had Creighton a couple on January 18th, that Saturday. They had Seton Hall last night. Now they got Villanova this Saturday. And then the following Saturday, they're at Butler. So a really, really big stretch here for Providence if they really want to make a name for themselves. So expect them to, and with a week off in between Villanova and Butler, expect them to give them even more of their all. They might just empty the tank here and just go all out. So it is a scary game, but I'm thinking Villanova does all right for themselves here. Yeah, Ed Cooley against Jay Wright, it seems like it's always been a tough game for the Cats, no matter how good or how bad. And I know that as of recent years, the fortune has been pretty well at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. But as you said, even when they win, those games are real close. Even when they lose, they're tough. And yeah, I do remember that 17-18 loss. That was a tough one. That was one of those mid-February, and then we were like, all right, they got the loss out of the system. Now we're going to go into March. And then we're going to steamroll and beat all the kids. And, of course, they got that win back at the Big East Tournament Finals that year. So that was that was a great, great series between the two schools. But this year, yeah, Alpha Diallo, obviously. David Duke, he's come along very well, pretty much. You know, he was a guy that you could easily overlook last year. For someone who was hyped up, him along with JQ to be Big East Freshman of the Year, both of those guys didn't really have a great freshman season. But David Duke's coming out strong right now. AJ Reeves, he had he was great actually last year before he got hurt. And it looks like he hasn't been close to being that player that he was to start off his college career. He had looked like he had a little injury recently, but he was back in action against Seton Hall last night. Nate Watson, tough center, big boy. I think he's like seven feet tall. Production not as good as it was last year, but as you said, he is a tough guy and he has given Nova a little bit of a hard time sometimes. Another guy I want to highlight that you missed is uh, Luane Pipkins. He's averaging just under nine points per game, and he is a much-needed point guard that the Friars have so longed for. But his shooting has not been great. He's shooting about 31% overall, 31% from deep. And as everyone knows, those are not great shooting percentages. He is nearly automatic, though, from the free throw line, so I'll give him that, shooting close to 97%. But he's just a guy that you probably want to watch out for. A lot of these guys, Chris, yeah, man, like Alpha Diallo, he didn't graduate yet. Emmett Holt, he didn't graduate yet. Khalif Young, he didn't graduate yet. What what's up with that? What's up with that? I don't know. That's a great question. I think Ed Cooley just you know clones them and then kind of forget, does like the Men in Black memory wipe thing, and then you're like, oh yeah, he's only been there for two years. That's right. And then when in reality, they're like forty years old. This game will be on this Saturday, a little one p.m. matinee over at the Dunk. If you're not going to be there, it's going to be on CBS, not CBS Sports Network, the CBS. So I guess we're big time. Who you got in this game? What's your prediction? Who's winning? Who's coming out on top? Yeah, Villanova by six. And I say Colin has a good game. He'll rebound from a little bit of a off night against Butler. I'm also going to give it to Colin. I think he's going to be one of the more important players. And you already know Ed Cooley is going to be directing the scouting report at him. So totally want to see how he responds to that. I think Nova wins by two. I think it's going to be a tight one. One thing I want to note is that Ken Palm actually has Providence losing like the next eight games. I don't know about that. That seems a little seems a little wild. I think they're better than that. Sorry, ten games. I think they're better yeah. than that. I mean, looking at their schedule though, I can absolutely see it. 
Oh it's, yeah, no, they they got a tough one. Yeah. I mean, it's just also because the Big East is just much better this year, top to bottom. But like at Butler, home against Creighton, then at at Cintas, at St. John's, and then you're home against Seton Hall, then you're at Georgetown, then you're home against Marquette, at Villanova, then home against Xavier, and then you finish up at home against DePaul. Where's your Where's the reprieve there? Especially for a team that's middle of the pack. Where's your reprieve? Yeah, they don't really have long home stands, and their away games when they do when they are at home, it's like against tough opponents. So it's like yeah, <laughs> no break, no rest for the weary. No, they're really hosed. I'll certainly be watching. Chris will certainly be watching. And before we sign off, I just want to address one question. I know that I said I was keeping the mailbag closed, but I just want to address one question. Mr. Matt Belson, he wants to know, did you see the brawl from the Kansas-Kansas State game? If Villanova got involved in a brawl, one, what would be the school and or Jay's reaction? And two, from looking back at the decade, pick your fighter. Uh, who are you taking in a Villanova jersey to throw down? Ooh, that's a great question, Matt Bells. Man, I, well, first of all, I did see the brawl. I know you saw it. Everyone saw it. I don't think, I yeah, I don't think there was like any way anyone missed that. It was like insane. Yeah, the, the Sousa picking up the chair, making me think of Shrek when he's taking out Farquaad's army and give him the chair. <laughs> uh, great scene, by the way. Uh, yeah, I if I were to pick the school Villanova would get in a fight with, it would obviously be Seton Hall because of course. And I don't uh, know, man. Theo John's kind of aggressive. <sighs> Marquette's a close second. I still see. Well, no, it's still Seton Hall. Marquette close second. And I would, and if we're going from the decade, I'm going Josh Hart, man. Oh, uh, he did have that nice stomp. He did. And I want Josh Hart in my corner in a fight. That's for sure. Him or, him or Eric, I feel like he would be. What would what would be the school's reaction if this, um, if this happened? If you, if J Red had damage control, what what do you think damage control would look like? We uh, were obviously disappointed in what happened on the court. Um, we were assessing the tape, and we will take further action upon reviewing the tape. Uh, no further questions at this time. Thank you. I wow. think that's that's I think that's exactly how the PR statement would go. Wow, they should hire you for media relations. That was that was beautiful. Sheridan, <laughs> I I am a currently a working man, but you can take me in part in part time internship. Please, I'll do it for free. I'll certainly do it for free. Take me in. I'll be your protege. I, I already know that the school's reaction would be Ryan Archie Diakno's team would never do this. <laughs> Oh no! He, yeah, that would be uh. There would be a lot of really sad simple. alumni. That would be like a very sad day. <laughs> yeah, it would. It really would. But it would also be very interesting. I, I'm not saying I welcome a fight. Yeah, like I couldn't imagine ball. anything happening like that. But when you look at the context of that Kansas Kansas State fight, that was just ridiculous. Like there was yeah. no reason for that. There was, like you're winning by thirty. Like come on, come on. Yeah, between the, the idiots stealing the ball at the end. Not that I'm blaming him for the fight, but, like, just just dribble out the clock. Like, come on. I hate when teams do that. I hate it. Didn't that happen to Kansas, too? That happened to Kansas earlier in the year because Mammoth did the same thing, and they had, like, they pulled off, like, some crazy dunk, and, like, it pissed people off. So that was probably in the back of their mind. So they're like, we're not having this crap again. And then that that happens, and it was just, yeah, it's just stupid all around. 
really bad. Yeah, Silvio D'Souza got a head start to his WWE career. <laughs> and he was out like the whole year too, wasn't he? Or he was out last yeah, year. Yeah, he was one of those guys who were, who were getting paid or something like that. Yeah, so now you're just completely sold yeah. your career. And now he's suspended indefinitely. So right now he's sending that audition tape over to Vince McMahon. Like there was some guy, there was a male cheerleader who had an excellent box out. They should be looking at that guy as a potential walk on. <laughs> holding back the holding back the players too. Like I don't even think he realized who he was holding back, but he like was holding back like three dudes. Yeah, that, that was pretty crazy. I saw I saw that. I'm like, ooh, very ballsy of you to get involved in that, but it, it worked. It worked. So so to answer the question, who would you go with? Who's your fighter and who's the school they're getting in a fight with? Uh, well, I don't know who they would get into a fight with. I mean, I could see Theo John instigating, but uh, I can definitely give you an answer for a Choose Your Fighter, and that would be, since you took Josh Hart and he and he has the stomp on his record, I'll go with either Omari Spellman or Daniel Ochefu, the enforcer. First of all, we need, we need big boys up in here. If you want someone to represent you, oh, yeah, we're going big. And not only that, you know, Omar Spellman, I, I know, you know, he, he does poetry. He's kind of like a gentle giant. But you could tell if you get that guy going. Oh my God, he's taking a chair. He's taking the cooler. He's taking the the card. He's taking the trainer's table. He's throwing everything at, at whoever he's fighting. And we saw him get riled up over you know making some shots or getting hot earlier in his career, earlier in the season. I feel like if you make him upset, make him angry. Oh man, free free Omari, free Omari. Oh, it's over, it's over. And then for Chef, the guy's an enforcer. You can already tell that Chef doesn't. He doesn't take nonsense from anybody. He doesn't take nonsense from everybody. We got to go big here. Yeah, you're going for definitely the intimidation factor. Uh, that, that would be a very scary squad to roll up with. Also scary, uh, walk-ons that have nothing to lose. Nothing <laughs> nothing to lose. <laughs> so you mean to tell me you bring along Henry Lowe to that? It wouldn't be one man. It would be the whole mob. It would oh, be the okay. whole mob. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fair, fair enough. They, they're stronger together as one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, but yeah, no. I think the likelihood of a fight ever happening at the pavilion zero, 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 zero. zero. Next is zero. Negative, clo- honestly, negative. Yeah, the closest thing you had to that was the Sterling Gibbs elbow, and like that really should have started something, and nothing became of that. And so I highly doubt anything would ever happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could, yeah, if that happened at the Kansas fight, there there would have been bodies all over the place. <laughs> Fans would have gotten involved. I think the thing with the Sterling Gibbs thing, though, was I think people were just shocked. Like, they did not – like, first it was like they were fighting over a loose ball, and then all of a sudden Sterling Gibbs just starts clubbing Arch, like, twice to the face. And then it was just kind of this delayed reaction, like, oh, my God, that just happened. And it was on the far side of the court. Like, everyone was on the other side of the court. So I'm not even sure if everyone fully understood at the time of what just happened. But, uh, yeah, that was just – wow. But you're right. If that didn't start a fight, nothing's going to start a fight. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. You can do so at View Hoops or at State of the Nova Nation. Look us up on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Megaphone. Hope I didn't miss anybody out there. But you get the point. Your favorite podcast streaming service. Be sure to leave us five-star, 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 five-star. Check back on the site. At View Hoops, you know, we always got content going. We're going to have Ryan Bowman at the game on Saturday covering for the site. And be sure to follow View Hoops on social media, like our page on Facebook, 
Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at for you hoops, and you can follow me, Eugene Repay at Erepay Five. Chris, ad space available, taken, pending deal. What what's the story? It's still wide open. It's anybody's game at this point. So yeah, I got nothing to plug. Follow the pod, follow Eugene, follow the hoops. All right, we're gonna try to get a sponsorship with Camco. Let's see if we can get that deal going. Honestly, I'm all for it, man. Better than my freaking Twitter. I'd rather plug them. <laughs> I remember. I don't know if they're still on Twitter, but I remember during that like snowstorm where the whole campus lost power and they sent everybody home during that one year where it just snowed every week. Campus uh-huh. Corner was tweeting out, and they were like, "If you meet us at this one point on campus, we're gonna be selling sandwiches. Like we're just gonna be set up with sandwiches. Like that's amazing. That's amazing. That's great." They business. did that. That's yeah, awful. they did that. Yeah, they, yeah. Fortunately, my friends and I didn't see the tweet until like five hours later, and they weren't doing it anymore. But that—that's great customer service. That is, Campco, the true MVP, real MVP. Yeah. Shout sure. out to John Campco and the whole Campco family. Mm-hmm. Nova Nation, have a good weekend. Enjoy your time. Let's get this win on Saturday. Let's beat some Friars. Go Cats. Let's get this win. Adios. <laughs>